Hello, promoters, and welcome to episode 61 of Uncharted Territory, where tonight we celebrate, or this afternoon or this morning, even depending upon when you download this episode, we celebrate Christmas time. Everybody's in good spirits. Uh, we're going to be talking about our one of our favorite holidays. Okay, everybody apparently is in good spirits. Everybody's here. How about that? Everybody's here? Okay, good. Uh, we're going to talk about the wonderful holiday that is Christmas. Have a good time as usual. And as is tradition, speaking of traditions and holidays, we like to go around the Zoom room and have everybody on the panel check in and give us their AccuWeather forecast. Corey, we'll start with you up in the uh, the hood, as it were. Well, thank you, Stu. Um, I'm happy to be here. Um, I got an early Christmas present. I got a microphone to use on these on this podcast, so I'm excited to try it out here tonight. And weather-wise in Maplewood and the Twin Cities, uh, you know, usual cold, about 25 degrees or so, maybe a little bit less than that. Um, we got some snow. Let's see. I think it was Saturday we got some snow. Um, but otherwise, we're holding steady and happy to be on break and happy to talk to you fine folks tonight or whenever you're listening. Wonderful. Thank you, Corey. Tim Dalton, our man in Buffalo. How are things in the uh, in Buffalo? <laughs> Well, the, the Bills finally won a game, so everybody's happy. Excellent. Um, but the, the weather, it's it, it's a little chilly, but not bad. It's about 40 degrees, and it looks like we're going to be staying in that uh, upper 30s to low 40s for the next few days. So probably a, a green Christmas coming up. But, you know, when you live in Buffalo, you'll, you'll take a few of those every now and then because sometimes they're so white you can't even get out of your driveway. So uh, So things are going well here. Excellent. Thank you, Tim. Chad Olson, how are things in Gilbert, Iowa? They are fine. It's been kind of the mid-30s, uh, low 40s today. It's supposed to warm up a bit this week. No snow. Hopefully we will not have a late Christmas, which is fine with me. So I am doing good. Excellent. Good to hear. Here in Virginia, it's uh, it was 45 today, and it's going to be in the 40s the next few days. And then, of course, for Christmas, it's going to be about 68, which just sucks because I like to have enough fire. I like to have all the cold weather traditions at Christmas time, and it doesn't appear like that's going to be in the cards this time. But otherwise, it'll drop after that. So maybe next week will be good when I'm off. So, you know, take the good with the bad. You mix them all. There you have the facts of life. Uh, still can't get that out of my head. Uh, by the, by the way, Stu, I did check out that uh, live in front of a studio audience solely per your uh, mention of it on this show. And it was uh, it was quite entertaining, you know, I mean, given the uh, the actors and actresses involved. And um, yeah, it was uh, the the actress that played Mrs. Garrett for both shows um, was excellent. I mean, she was a did a very good Mrs. Garrett. So. Um, and yeah, some pretty big names. I was surprised who was all involved. Snoop Dogg, um, you know. Jennifer, yes, I saw Snoop was in. Yeah, Jennifer Anderson. What, what was he on there? Was he, he, he played. Was he Tootie? He was no. He played Willis's friend, and uh, and then uh, Jennifer Aniston played Blair on uh, the Facts of Life, and uh, like I said, very very impressive cast, and uh, it was it was a lot of fun to watch. So thank you for the recommendation, even though it gets the song stuck in your head, Stu. But I it was it was a lot of fun. Just now getting... by Blair, and she looks exactly the same. Yes, she does. She does. Yeah. She, she has yeah. been preserved. Yes, I mean, she looks all right. <laughs> yeah. 
Joe was not on it though. I heard. I heard Joe did not did not show up. No, oh. they. It was controversial. Um, yeah. Well. Uh, but no, Blair and Tootie, and then um, uh, Natalie. They were th- those original actresses made an appearance, and uh, yeah, and then for for um, different strokes, just um, just Willis was was the only actor available for a live. Yeah, yeah, Available may not be the the correct word there, but yeah, okay. <laughs> or Mr. Drummond, for that matter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> probably the last to go. He probably, yeah. probably yeah. was. Is the sister still around? No, no she's she don't need a trailer down your way sometime. Yeah, holy smokes! Yeah. Goodness, yep. great. you know you learn a lot of stuff on uncharted territory. I tell yeah. you what. Yep. All right. Well, what's new this evening? Well, two of our, uh, our our esteemed panel have now seen the newest Spider-Man. I am not one of them. I am hoping to go next week while I have some time off. But just in general terms, uh, Tim and Chad. Um, who went separately, I might add. They're not together right now. Uh, what's, the, <laughs> what we're, is we're, the... we're taking a break. <laughs> oh, I don't even just like that. Dana Plato, she died in 1999. Holy, Holy cow. smokes, she's been gone a while. Died wow. of an overdose yep. of prescription drugs, which was later ruled a suicide. Oh, Dana. Sad. Oh, Dana. sad. That's very, very sad. Sad. Oh, well, rest in peace, Dana Plato. Tim and Chad, uh, what is your, uh, without giving too much away, do we get a thumbs up or thumbs down on Spider-Man No Way Home? Yeah, two thumbs are both up. Good movie. Yeah. It was fun. A lot, of, a lot of cool Easter eggs and cameos from across the Marvel Universe in a, in a variety of formats. And that's all I'm going to say. Yeah, it was. It, I thought it was very good. I, I thought some of the things were were very funny and, and very intriguing. You know, there's, as I was saying uh before you know there, there's a couple gaping plot holes but you're dealing with you know superheroes and all the other stuff so you have to kind of you know just kind of let that go and just sit back and, and enjoy the show so but i thought it was a very good movie actually probably one of my uh, more favorite of the marvel universe movies and uh do you need to have seen all of the spider-man movies to have seen this and to uh be able to keep up i would say it'd be good to see the the two with uh, Tom Holland. Tom Holland. Okay. Yeah. And it wouldn't hurt to have seen the others, but I mean, it did. It, it definitely the ones with Tom Holland you want to see. Yeah. Okay. Good deal. Well, thank you, gentlemen. Uh, Chad, I understand you've had a recent trip to a is it WWE show? I see. Yeah, we went last night um, to took my kids for their birthday. WWE was in Des Moines with a. A super show where it's a combined roster card. I think that's, I don't know if they do separate house shows anymore for Raw or SmackDown. Um, it was a lot of fun. I haven't been to a, I haven't been to a WWE house show since, I don't know, Connor said we went once when like, I don't, I remember like Brodus Clay was there and Rey Mysterio and like, so I don't even know the sequence of that. It was a long time ago. Um, so it was uh, just a good old-fashioned house show, seven matches. And the fun thing was that they played to the crowd a lot more because they're not on TV, and they would stop and do things like take selfies with the crowd on the way back up or sign things on the way back up the ramp and stuff. So it was kind of cool. Um, so the first match was uh, some dude with a guitar, not the other dude with the guitar, but some new dude with a guitar who comes out with Shinsuke Makamura. 
and he fought somebody who was supposed to be with Happy Corbin, but Happy Corbin wasn't there. So I don't know who any of these idiots are. But they had a match, um, and uh, I think the guitar dude won. Rick, then, isn't it Rick Boogs? Is that his name? Could be. I mean, I honestly Rick couldn't Boogs? tell. Like, Boogs. Boogs. Oh, thank you. Sounds like oh. Booger. I Cardis, Cardis, on that. It was Cardis Booger Armstrong. Or Cardis Booger right. Armstrong. No, Sweet. like, these guys are so new, they don't have their own music, and they come out with the cryon of the other guy. So even when the guy won, it was Shinsuke Nakamura, and they played his music. So that's how much they're invested in these dildos. But um, then, ah, uh, shit, I don't even remember what else happened. The women's tag team titles were defended. Um, so it was, what, Carmella and uh, somebody against Sasha Banks and... Uh, Tony Storm. Storm. Tony yeah, Storm. That was a good match. Oh my gosh, Sasha was over huge. Uh-huh. Um, and it's just cool to see, you know, because I have my my daughter was there. She brought a friend to see the the uh, girls cheering for the women's wrestler so much, and you know, just having a lot more because there was a tag match and there was a triple threat match for the women's title. So there were seven women on the show. So it was that was good. Uh, Becky Lynch. Defended her belt against Liv Morgan and uh How was that match? Fuck was it? Oh, hang on, I'm trying to think who the other person was. I don't know. I mean, obviously I was paying rapt attention. You, you were absolutely mesmerized. Who was it? Oh, the uh, Bianca Belair. So that was good. I mean, it was kind of funny because you know, so Becky's playing heel. And she's like, you know, my I'm married to Seth Rollins, and he's from Iowa, which means I gotta spend half my time in this state. And just that was awesome. <laughs> and the best, so then there was a, a fatal four-way with Biggie defending against Seth Rollins, uh Kevin Owens, and um well, some guy. Oh, uh Bobby Lashley. And you know, so Rollins comes out first, he gets a huge pop because he's from Iowa. Then uh, Big E comes out last, and he gets a big pop because he played for the University of Iowa. And some dude hands him a flat, a big Iowa Hawkeyes flag, so he's shaking. Everybody's like, ah, you know. And Seth Rollins like gets on the mic, goes, "Yeah, you know, hey, I'm from Iowa too, and the Hawkeyes suck," which got a huge cheer from our crowd because there's a bunch of Cyclone fans. So <laughs> it was it was awesome, just old fashioned heat getting and stuff, and that that was a good match. Um, there was a, a lot of super kicking in that match, and uh, <laughs> was that was that the main event? No, that was the. They actually took an intermission. Um, the main event was a six man tag with the Usos and Roman Reigns against Drew Galloway, Ray Mysterio Jr., and Xavier Woods. And uh, Ray Mysterio spent the majority of the match getting the shit beat out of him. Xavier Woods was in for about twenty seven seconds at the beginning. Then Drew Calloway came in. That match also featured a lot of super kicks um, between Rey Mysterio and then uh, Gra- Gal or not Rey Mysterio. The Usos throwing super kicks. And then Galloway was throwing his front kick thing. But I mean, you know, Big E and Seth Rollins got big pops because of their association with Iowa. But nobody got a pop like Roman Reigns. I mean, he was the guy, even though he's the bad guy, you know, a bad guy. Um, I, I would say, I don't, I honestly think the biggest pops were for Roman Reigns, uh, Becky Lynch and Sasha Banks, and then kind of followed by Big E and, and Seth Rollins. 
Um, I'm trying to think what else was on there. Yeah, I don't know. I don't remember. But it was fun. It was fun to go to a just a good old-fashioned house. So saw some of the IPW wrestlers there, saw some IPW fans there. So it was a fun time. Wasn't a huge crowd. They had a, I think there was a lot of ticket scalping going on and lots of empty rows where they had priced tickets of like about 200 bucks. Um, just, yeah, on the, just on the sides, it wasn't even on ringside, you know, and I, I was by, you know, I bought like seven tickets for our group. And so I purchased them and that was in $40 seats, just kind of like straight across from the entrance. So that was fine. But then my f- friend Troy said he saw on the stub hub 10 minutes before the show. And I saw this, there was an entire row of ringside for 15 bucks each. So yeah. We could have upgraded, but that's okay. Well, no, it was a good time. It was, it was fun. I don't know, you know, if they had a whole lot of just straight house shows. They probably just started those back pretty recently. So, and then earlier in the day, and I think this was this was probably already planned out while he was still employed at WWE because probably would have been there. But Jeff Hardy had a meet and greet in town. <laughs> oh, I, I, he's doing his acoustic tour. Yeah, at a meet and greet around the Midwest, and I mean, it it had to be in conjunction. You know, I'm sure he would have been on the show if he'd not been shit canned. So, um, yeah, it was it was good, good time. Not a lot of merch. Very strange. Display. Well, you, you know, there were like six or seven shirts. None, none of the female wrestler shirts. You know, my daughter wanted to get a Sasha Banks shirt. They had nothing. I'm like, well, we'll just get it online. I mean, lots, go, of, it, lots of grown men, lots of grown men with belts, which I think is still kind of a weird custom, but whatever. Well, you know. <laughs> The last WWE show I attended, it was still WWF. So it has been a while. The E had not been, or the F had not been gotten out. So it's been at least 18, 19 years. So good for you that you went. Well, you know, all the kids want to go. It's their birthday present. So we had fun. Awesome. Yep. Well, let's get into our main event uh, tonight. We're going to be talking about since it's now uh, starting to get in people's hot little hands, or at least their online accounts, the Legends of Wrestling Eight set review, in which we talk about uh, putting these cards together, our impressions of these guys, uh, just general feedback on the guys themselves, uh, and we just go around the room and give our comments about the particular wrestlers in the sets. So if you haven't gotten your set right now, and well, it's mostly spoiled at this point, what do you care? Just listen to the episode. Why are you here anyway? So <laughs> let's continue on. Uh, let's start things off. Um, Corey, you have a working list because I was not able to find one readily available. Sure. Yeah. Um, just throw a name out and we'll dive on that one well one of the first names that was announced and uh pretty early on with the fall convention of course was the universal heartthrob austin idol excellent uh well tim why don't we start with you your general impressions of austin idol i thought it was good you know i i think uh you know putting the cards together and stuff i, I think there was uh there was already some groundwork that had been done on that one before he got signed so that was nice we, we were able to kind of just take that and maybe do a tweak here or there and, and move forward with it. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, he's, he's a great one to have. If you're doing a Memphis set, I mean, he's a great guy to announce. And I thought he did a great job, you know, with the, uh, the online thing too. And, and uh, having him there just to kind of do his thing and tell some stories was great. So, uh, so yeah, good, you know, 
good good impression of it. I think uh, I, I think that'll be a good good card for people to use. He was a great one to lead with. Chad, any thoughts on Mr. Idle? It was cool to get him. He's a big name for that area, and and you know he had a runs in uh, Georgia as well, and down in Florida a little bit. So I think he's a good guy and a solid get for the set. Agreed, Corey. Yeah, I mean, not much more to add. It was we've been kind of talking to him through Facebook and through Travis Heckel, and just another thanks for helping out on that, Travis. But um, talked to him, you know, Mike and Todd kind of worked with him for a while, work out a an agreement and a deal and everything. And um, I'm just glad we were able to to get it done, uh, you know, timing wise for that October convention, and then also just with the announcement for the set that just really worked well time wise and everything. And then in addition, we had the um, Iron Mike McCord card that was um, for convention attendees and um, just really cool that, you know, they could kind of do a second card based on another era of his career uh, without taking away from the Memphis, uh, the expansion eight set. So um, yeah, just everything kind of fell into place and uh, yeah, just, he, he really enjoyed listening to him on the convention and everything. So I think this is a card that, uh, could you know pull some upsets and you never know if you're not an austin idol historian or, or fan um i think he could surprise you with how well he could do well idol was in world title matches from time to time so i mean oh, yeah. he, he agreed uh, he might pull up pull an upset uh, if you push him as a main event star or give him a main, main event opportunities Absolutely. i thought it was a great signing uh mm -hmm. i Again, a card even five years ago, I would have been, if you told me we were getting Austin Idol, I would have been surprised. Uh, it's just a great signing. It's a testament that there is critical uh, mass or momentum now with this game. Uh, the more signings you get, the more credibility you have uh, with the wrestlers themselves. And uh, I just think getting Austin Idol was a, a good get, as they say. Just a, a great signing for the game. And he's going to be a lot of fun to use. Corey, who do you have next, sir? Um, I'll go down with uh, Dirty Dutch Mantel, and I'll kind of kick off the conversation about him. Um, I would, th I think, other than the Lance Russell card, this was pretty much the last, at least new name that we agreed upon for the set. Is when we talked about this before, after he was announced that he was um, kind of a late signing, um, but through the magic of Facebook and everything. Uh, it was just great to get him. As I said, I was researching um, now that it's been revealed who's in the set. It, I was watching, it was uh, Idol and Dutch Mantel against um, Tommy Rich and Bill Dundee. And, you know, just was watching it for the other three guys, but also just, you know, was getting into it. I thought, oh, Dutch is so good. And it'd be great to get him in the set. And as, and uh, as I said before, my brother reminded me that he's pretty active on Facebook. So reached out and Time-wise, with the announcements we had, we had Idol and I think Bill Dundee, maybe another name or two, but their artwork had been announced and released and um, was able to share that with Dutch through Facebook. And, uh, you know, that was just kind of a good way to get him to agree, you know, just said, hey, here's some of your contemporaries when we're doing this Memphis theme, love to have you in, in on it too. So um, he was, a, I did a lot of work on the card and he was a lot of fun to research. Um, you know, kind of a hard guy to stat a little bit, um, you know, definitely a top guy in Memphis and maybe not as, as high up the card in other territories, but um, once the uh, long awaited ringside companion appears and you have the hometown advantage rule, which we've talked about, I think uh, that's something that could turn the tide in for Dutch if you're doing a, a territory with him and you want him as one of your top stars. So 
Um, but yeah, very competitive, you know, um, beat a lot of the big names, Randy Savage, um, beat him and, uh, you know, obviously feuded with Lawler off and on and, and others. So, you know, you definitely wanted to make him competitive in that, in that Memphis, uh, realm, um, without making him too tough in the, in the big picture of legends history. So, um, that double Dutch clutch, I remembered years ago watching Memphis footage and, uh, and remembering that move and it was just a, uh, you know, simple move, but it, but it worked for the Dutchman. So, uh, yeah, just really glad that we were able to get him wrapped up in part of the set. Excellent. Thanks, Corey. Uh, Chad, any impressions of Mr. Mantel? Another good signing and just really legitimizes this set as a Memphis territorial set and uh, just a big name. So thank you, Corey, for going after him and getting him signed. I just think he helps, you know, I mean, there's a lot of good, this is really kind of a unique set because it's really balanced with a lot of good tag teams from the area and a lot of good singles wrestlers from the area. So we have a good mix. We have a good beat. You can dance to it. Agreed. Tim can I just, can I just oh, add ahead, to Corey. Chad's comment? Yeah. You know, um, I mean, a lot of these, these singles guys were just natural tag teams and champions in the Memphis territory. You know, they kind of had different versions of their tag belts over the years, but you know, like I mentioned, you had Tommy Rich and Bill Dundee were a team. Um, Idol and Mantel were champs for a while. So a lot of, just a lot of, uh, you know, single stars as tag teams that you could do just based out of this set. Very true. Tim. You know, I, one thing I like about the guys like, like Idol and Mantel is, and I've talked about guys like this before, is they're like plug and play guys. If you want to bring them in as a single, you want to bring them in as a team with somebody, they just kind of fit, you know, he's one of the Dutch is one of those guys just kind of fits with so many other cards and, 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 you know, wrestlers that we've already got that it's kind of cool to have somebody like that, that you can just kind of bring in as somebody new and freshen things up and you're fed a little bit. Um, but yeah, you could, you could basically put him wherever you want. He's, you could, you could use him as a face, um, idle too. It's a little bit tougher for idle. You know, he, he's one of those guys that kind of needs to start out as a heel and become a face, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I just, I, it's, he's just great. He's just one of those guys that you could pretty much put in, you know, immediately into your fed and, and have use. So he's a good one. Agreed. And I'll just echo everything that's been said here. I don't have a whole lot to, to, to add other than, you know, if you were making them, maybe not in terms of longevity, but in terms of just overall impact, if you're making a Mount Rushmore of uh, Memphis stars, you can make a pretty good case that Dutch Mantel would be on said mountain. Uh, he was, he had one of the hottest feuds going with Lawler at one particular time in Memphis that they ever had. And it was a face versus face feud, which is rare for the time, split the crowd. But Mantel was, uh, he was white hot in Memphis. And uh, it was another good get for this game. Uh, uh, Again, something I would have been surprised we got. We, we had uh, if we if you told me five six years ago we got him. This this was great to get him. I was very excited. Nice work, Corey. Who's next, Corey? Well, why don't we go with uh, one of the top tag teams in the set for a lot of people? Maybe considered the headliners, and that's Steve Kern and Stan Lane, the fabulous ones. Excellent. And Chad, since they were AWA superstars at one particular time, why don't you take it away and lead us? I mean, they were AWA superstars for about six months, and uh, we, we were, they were superstars when I started watching wrestling, so they will always be the superest of superstars. Um, 
I was, you know, I've told the story about how we signed them, but I was just super excited to have them in the game and look forward to, to uh, using them. And Corey did a lot of good research on them and on the Memphis side. And then I looked at them from an AWA and Mid-South lens. So I think we got a good, pretty good, uh, pretty good uh, setup for them there, I guess is the word I'm trying to say. And I think some of the mechanics on there were ones we might be using with some tag teams in the future. People have asked what we might do with uh, Legends Expansion 1 if we have to reprint that. I think some of those um, mechanics might find their way onto cards like the Rock and Roll Express or maybe uh, maybe some of the Midnights, you know. I think the goal with them was to make them slightly tougher than Sheepherders or Fantastics or right about the same level or a little bit tougher, but then, you know, they should be below the Midnight Express and Rock and Roll Express as much as it pains me to say that, so... Happy to have him. Excellent. Tim, your thoughts. So, you know, I, I thought that Chad did a great job and Corey, you know, kind of putting these together and, and digging and, and doing the research on them. I kind of like that their, their cards are a little bit, and, and I, I, I mentioned this to Chad and he said, yeah, that wasn't intentional. It just kind of happened, but their cards are, are a little bit mirror images of one another as far as like their chart situations and stuff like that. And I thought that was kind of cool because they were kind of interchangeable guys, which goes along with the switch mechanic and all of that. And I, I just thought that it, it worked out well. And I thought those cards were very well put together. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm thrilled to have them in. I, I hope they do very well for people. Corey, impressions of the fabulous ones. I mean, I, I just know when Chad and Tim told me that they got Steve Kern signed and, you know, it's been a few years. So it was just, this was another long awaited release, uh, but it was just cool to have it. And, um, you know, and I love Stan Lane and the Midnight Express and the, and the he Heavenly Bodies. Um, but just to have another babyface team and kind of one of the trendsetters for so many other 80s babyface tag teams um, was just a really cool acquisition. So um, I've been watching a lot of the Memphis music videos lately, and the Fabs definitely had their share of music videos. And, uh, uh, one I had not seen until recently was them um, mainly on Harley's writing to um, uh, beat it by Michael Jackson. So that was kind of an interesting one uh, that I don't remember seeing before. So, uh, but yeah, no, this is, this is definitely cool and uh, just really great to have them as part of this Memphis set. Yeah. I was super excited to get this team. Um, and I, I would think they are the headliners and Arguably the headliners. There's uh, Mantel and Idol certainly are up there too. But this set, this is just a great set to, or a great tag team to get. They, they help you out in so many different ways. They had some classic feuds. They were in it. They were entertain interchangeable and uh, certainly a trend-setting team of their time. So uh, to have the game claim the fabulous ones along with the Midnight's, the Rock and Rolls, the Fantastics. We got some great tag teams in here. Not even to mention the Kangaroos and. The Toloses and all the teams that are uh, coming eventually. And oh, what's that? And the Bulldogs. Then the bull, of course, the Bulldogs. How could hey, we forget? Other favorite tag team. The other favorite tag team. So just another great get for the game. Corey, who's next? Well, since we're talking tag teams, uh, let's go to the uh, two brand new names to Legends, and that's Spot and Rex, the Moon Dogs. Excellent. Tim, why don't you start us off on these, these fellers? So I had, uh, you know, in my WWF 
bootleg projects. I mean, these were these were guys that were on my radar that I had kind of started to look into, although I was I was really looking into Rex and King um, because I spot didn't really come in until the next year. Uh, so I'd done a little bit of initial research on their WWF run and I, I looked up every match I could find, uh, went through a lot of old results and things like that. Um, kind of did a little bit of an homage to when Rex first came in, he came in as Moondog Hawkins as a single and, uh, used a shoulder breaker as a finish. So I kind of threw that on the card, um, I know, again, there were, there were some other, you know, uh, cards that, that were kind of out there for, for these guys. Um, but I want to kind of take my own, you know, I want to take my time and, and do what I thought was right. And I know the whole issue with the, the use of the bones that they used to carry around those huge bones that they used to carry around. I mean, uh, some of the, some of the cards that have been floating around for these guys had them as had, had the, you know, them inter you're using the bones as objects, more often in matches, but they really didn't. I mean, everything I watched that, that was a finish. That was like a big finish where they would whack somebody and that would, that would lead to the pin. So I tried to make that more of a, a big finish spot on the cards. I, I think they're just a great, you know, they're, they're just great because they're just so crazy and brawlers and you never quite know what the hell's going to happen with them. There, there was some discrepancies on the weights um, that they were announced at in WWF because they, they still were pretty much announced that is the same weight as when King was in the team, but clearly, uh, you know, spot was not as heavy as, as, uh, sailor white. So it, uh, you know, we kind of did what we thought was right there, but, um, overall, I just, I just think it's another fun, fun addition. It's, you know, crazy ass tag team and, um, it, they should be fun to use and it's great because you got the fabs right there for a, a built-in feud and um you know looking at the matches that i did from memphis to between the the two of them i don't think there's really a lot there you could have used for any of the four cards to really uh, put together uh move sets because there was a lot of punch kick going on and just some wild brawls outside the ring so um Luckily, you know, we had some other sources we were able to pull from as well. So I think we did a pretty good job putting both of those tag teams together. I agree. Corey, what are your thoughts on the Moon Dogs? I'll just say I think Tim did a really good job overall representing them, you know, their WWF time, their Memphis time, and any, any places else. And, um, yeah, it's just a just a fun, wild tag team. Um, you know, they – they could win your, your main titles and uh, could uh, cheat and hold on to them for a long time, get disqualified and uh, retain the belts. So, but no, I think, I think uh, the way Tim incorporated the, the Moondog bone gimmick was a, a good one where it made it, made it impactful, um, but not happening all the time. So definitely a cool way to get that in. So uh, yeah, I look forward to using these guys at some point and seeing what kind of wild matches they have. Thank you, Corey. Chad. Well, I think, you know, if you're bringing in the fab, it's very appropriate to bring in the Moondogs because they had a lot of ridiculous brawls and history with each other. But, you know, they're a good, I mean, if you're, you know, using the sheep herders of the Lord intended as the sheep herders and not the bushwhackos, then, man, you, you set up something where you have the sheep herders and the, and the Moondogs brawling all over the Mid-South Coliseum, that'll bring a tear to a glass eye, as they say, too, so. 
Uh, I think there's a lot of cool things we can do with that and have them just another great tag team. And there's awesome signings. So, you know, hats off to Travis Heppel for kind of sealing the deal on those. Thank you, Travis. I mean, I'm a sucker for a brawling. I'm a sucker for a brawler, period. Brawler, single brawler tag team. Those guys were nuts. Heck, just uh, talking about having them go against the sheep herders. I think that would be a fabulous feud in the making. Um, I'm really excited about the Moondogs. I remember them more from their WWF days. Well, that's the only way I knew about them. I really didn't follow Memphis until later in life. I got interested in Memphis history. But they're going to make a, a lot of um, promoters happy in terms of just having a wild team that will be a great foil for any classic babyface pairing. So great signing. Thank you, Travis, for that. Corey, who do you have next on our esteemed list? Let's go with a uh, color uh, re-release from the black and white days, and that's Tracy Smothers. Tracy Smothers. All right. Excellent. Ch uh, Tim, I should say, you uh, you had some experience with Tracy later in his career. What are your uh, impressions? I thought, uh, you know, putting the card together in that, I, I looked and because I had done the original work on the, the black and white card. And other than, you know, a few changes to the move set just to incorporate some different things, um, not a lot of changes for, for, for Tracy. I think, you know, there was enough footage available of him at the time that we pretty much nailed it. I mean, we, we looked at his time and tags. We looked at um, the great run he had in Smoky Mountain. Uh, didn't really get into a lot after that because really the Smoky Mountain time was, was kind of like his, his prime time as a single. So spent a lot of focus, focus there on that one. So I thought that was really good. And I, I, I'm thrilled to have him just, I've, I've exposed his virtues uh, on the podcast before. I just thought he was a great guy, super polished worker, um, you know, could do just, a, just about anything and, and was, a, was a pretty good dude too. So um, yeah, I, I, I had a lot of fun going through and watching those matches again. That was a good time. Thank you, Tim. Corey, uh, any memories or thoughts of uh, Tracy Smothers or how he fits in as a card with this set? Um, I mean, just definitely a great, a great fit. You know, he started in the Memphis territory uh, as kind of an underneath guy and then, you know, just kind of worked his way up through the remaining territories. As Tim said, big star for Smoky Mountain. So even though that's a different side of Tennessee, it definitely, you know, fits the, the overall theme. And, you know, he had his time in the in the 90s USWA, he and uh, BG James were tag team champs near the end. Uh, BG was Jesse James Armstrong, I think, at that point, and in between his WWF runs. So there's a, a, a tag team you could do. Um, and that's, I think, Tim did a great job of making that the card very versatile, like you talked about with some of the others in this set. You know, you could use him as a single, and I've definitely done that in the past. And he had a great run for me, as I mentioned before, with my Mid-America title. Um, and he can be a tag team, you know, you can put him in with like BG, uh, BG James or, or Brad Armstrong, you know, he teamed with, uh, with Steve Armstrong and until we can get Steve signed, um, you know, you got a couple other Armstrong brothers he can team with that makes a good, uh, good natural team and, and definitely some of the others as well, even if they weren't a real life team, but you know, a lot of the baby faces in this set would make a good partner for him. So just a very versatile, versatile card um yeah and tim tim did a great job like he said not not much that needed changing but just to kind of freshen things up and i think he did a did a good job of that so uh, well done tim and uh look forward to bringing back his card at some point i, I think one thing that's kind of cool too is because he was so so 
you know, especially down in Tennessee, I mean, was so proud of his Southern heritage and, you know, would, would go around expel, you know, I'm, I, I'm American by, by birth and Southern by the grace of God and stuff <laughs> like that. So I think you gotta, you know, if you want, you could set him up as a heel, just, you know, doing that stuff too. So I think yeah. it works. I mean, he could, he's one of those, like Corey said, he's versely, you can, you can pretty much, you know, figure out a way to get him in there, however you want. Mm-hmm. Good point. He was one of the toughest ones to write his biography for too, because he just, Steve Armstrong was so, you know, that team he had, he just want to mention that team. So, uh, you know, and like Corey said, until or unless we can get Steve signed, and I'm hopeful we can, uh, Tracy does fill a lot of niches. Chad, do you have any thoughts on Tracy Smothers? Um, you know, I was excited just to bring him into color and yeah, he's a pretty versatile guy. So he can do a lot with him. You can team him up with, you know, guy he teamed up with later and Tommy Rich. You don't have to do the FBI thing, but you can certainly have them as a, a wild-eyed Southern boy type tag team too. So just a, another good utility character to have. And great use of a 38 special song. First time 38 specials made it to this podcast, baby. There you go. Corey, who is next on our list? Stu, let's go with uh, one of the brand new names in the set, and that was uh, Brickhouse Brown. Brickhouse Brown. Wonderful. Good name. Corey, why don't you start us off with Brickhouse? Sure. I'd be happy to. Um, you know, this was a name that I knew grew in, growing up. I mean, didn't get to see a lot of him, but just remember, of course, uh, for Chad and me being, he was part of Super Clash 3, uh, uh, battling Iceman Parsons for the Texas title. And uh, so that was just, uh, I always remember the name from the magazines. And um, and again, when, when Chad and Tim told me about him getting signed and how much it meant to him and everything and his great speech that year. It was just, that was a really cool moment. So I just thought whenever we can get a card for him, whether in, in prime or, or something else. And, you know, I'm glad, I'm glad we waited because it just, he fits this Memphis set that was between Memphis and, and Texas. Those were probably his two biggest territories, most success and everything. So um, yeah. And he, and he's a good, just kind of, again, we've said it a lot, kind of a utility player where he can fit a lot of roles, singles or tag and, um, you know, could pull the upset on somebody. You just never know what he what he might do when the when you roll the dice. So, very glad that we we finally get his card. Thanks, Corey. Chad, any thoughts on Mr. Brickhouse? It was just an honor to find him and you know get him after that emotional time at Kyle Hour Alley. But you know, he was another just kind of solid regional guy. That's what the set's really full of. You know, don't have a lot of national stars aside from you know probably Tommy Rich. Um, and, and of course the fabulous ones, um, but, you know, have, having a guy like Brickhouse is another great get and, you know, unfortunately he passed later. So it was being in the right place at the right time with him. Agreed. Tim. Yeah, he was, uh, he, he's one of those guys I learned more about because I, I really never saw him growing up or anything and so he's one of those guys I had to you know kind of dig around and I, I did some real basic research to get the card started um watch some of his matches and that and I know Stu you jumped in on that one as well so um but uh but yeah it was it, that he, he's just he just seemed like such a good guy and and having met him at that uh that CAC I mean that 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 just made it even more important that uh we got him signed and, and got the card out so um, just thrilled to, that we could make that one happen. I agree. I think Brickhouse is just one of those 
great underrated guys in wrestling history. I mean, and if you're going to run a regional promotion like Memphis, uh, there's a guy that may be able to surprise and win a regional belt, depending on how you run your fed and how you structure it. If you, if he ever merits a shot at that particular title, uh, I think he's going to be fun in the ring and just, you know, a lot of different ways you can go with Brickhouse. And he was, uh, certainly looking at his matches and getting the card done uh, after Tim had gotten that thing rolling. Um, he was fun. Uh, his matches were fun. He was a good worker for his day. And uh, I, I think he's going to be a lot of fun for promoters to use. Corey, who do you have up next? We'll go with one of the re-releases and I'll get the conversation going on this one since I did a lot of the work on this. And that's Superstar Bill Dundee. Um, yeah, I, th I think as I kind of think back here, I think he was the second or third name officially announced and the artwork released and everything after Austin and Idol. Um, I know, again, talking about communicating with Dutch Mantel, we shared his artwork uh, with Dutch as a way to kind of, you know, encourage him to sign up for the game. Um, and Dundee, and I remember going back to the black and white uh, card for him. This was a hard one to do as just far as like the top moves and finishers and everything. I remember even back then, um, you know, there wasn't really a, a clear cut move and, um, we kept that the superstar bomb as his primary move. And that's that kind of sit down splash off the top rope, you know, some places they might call it bombs away. Um, and you know, he did that in Memphis, but almost kind of how Jerry Lawler would do the pile driver where it was illegal because top rope moves were, were illegal for quite a while in Memphis. Um, so he would do it, but maybe in a notice qualification match or something else, but when he worked central states and then when um, Jim Crockett brought out central states, that was kind of his finisher in the NWA. So I thought, well, it's the most spectacular move. Let's leave it as a finisher. But then I really wanted to push the idea that, you know, he could win out of nowhere. And that's a lot of his finishes came that way. And uh, Travis Heckle and I reached out to Mark James, of course, Memphis historian and said, you know, what do you remember as far as Bill's Bill's finisher? And the first thing Mark said was he'd, Go, um, kind of jump up to the second rope after getting whipped into the corner, come back with a flying body press and, and score the pin. And I definitely saw that a lot. So that's where, um, you know, Tim had come up with the, the mechanic for Buddy Rose's fall release of, um, you know, doing something dastardly and, you know, subtracting from the pin roll as a way that he could, you know, win kind of out of nowhere. And I thought, you know, that would make sense coming off of either the ropes or the turnbuckle chart for Dundee. So we kind of incorporated that too. You know, didn't really put a limit on it. And, uh, you know, I'll be really interested to see how much it comes up for promoters and uh, how it might, uh, you know, change the tide in a match for, for Dundee. But, yeah, I just really felt that he needed some other way to kind of just really showcase that out-of-nowhere type of uh, pin where he got. I, I, I watched a, a clip uh, from Memphis about 93, and this was when he was finishing up, and he was actually going to WCW, and they acknowledged that he was going to WCW. Um, as kind of a behind the scenes guy. And they did a, a tribute video to him. And most of the moves in the tribute video were, you know, like small package or sunset flip or the, the cross body off the second rope. Um, and, and just moves like that where he'd surprise the opponent and, and get the win. So I, I, yeah, I hope, I hope uh, promoters like this new mechanic and uh, hope it uh, works out for you. Thank you, Corey. Chad. Um, really like the mechanic that Corey put together and it is fitting of his uh, of his card and of his dial and that move that Corey described reminds me of something that Rick Martell would hit a lot too so 
if we sign Rick Martell and do super duper face Rick Martell, EWA champion, then he'll have that move on there too. But yep, I'm glad Corey was able to collaborate with Travis and Mark James and kind of freshen up this card a bit. He's a good, he's another, you know, good guy to have a giant in Memphis, if not a giant in real life. <laughs> yeah, well said. And I, for one, am hoping, holding out hope for that Rick Martell card. Uh, Tim. Yeah, may not have been uh, big in stature, but, you know, uh, he, he definitely was one of your, I mean, you're, you're talking about your Mount, Mount Rushmore before. I mean, he might be one of the guys on there as well. So um, I, I thought he was, you know, he was just kind of cool to get in the, the black and white era. Um, and, and now to get him into color, I thought Corey did a great job coming up, making him, you know, having that ability just to be a little bit tougher. And if, if, you know, the, the, everything kind of happens correctly. And, and I thought that was a great way to make his card a little bit stronger uh, without, you know, bumping the finisher or giving him more level three moves or doing something else, something kind of, kind of, and it, it can be something sneaky or tricky too, if he's working as a bad guy. So um, it, you know, it all, it all kind of made sense. And I thought that uh, he was kind of a, a great addition. He's one of the guys that even though the, the, roster for this set probably changed a dozen times he was one of the guys that was on there in at version one and was on there in the final version so uh we we knew he wasn't going anywhere so that's one of the guys we didn't have to say well you know it, when we signed dutch mantel it's like okay well who do we kick out and you know we didn't have any of those those issues with bill dundee because he's uh he, he's one of the pillars there so that was pretty cool pillar indeed he feuded with Jerry Lawler for 67 years. Uh, they, <laughs> but, he, you know, they kept going to it and just kept delivering. I mean, so there's no arguing. And he he threw next to Lawler one of the greatest punches I've ever seen a wrestler throw. Like the, the punch was just convincing. Lawler, Lawler topped him, but uh, Dundee was right up there in my estimation in terms of throwing a killer worked punch. And yeah, you got to have Dundee. Uh, it was pretty cool. We had him from the from the get go, uh, just as a signing back in the black and white days. But uh, to put him to put him in Memphis, I mean, you can make a good argument. He's the headliner. Just uh, whether he was redone or whether he was new, he, he is that that big in stature in the Memphis 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 promotion. Corey, who's up? I think this was the uh, last official name announced for the full set. And that was Leaping Lanny Poffo. Excellent. An ICW alum. Uh, Chad, why don't we start with you on Mr. Poffo? Um, I was a big Leaping Lanny fan when he was in the WWF as a prelim guy. Um, I always thought he was pretty cool. And he had a, a wrestling style that, um, what I want to say, was very exciting for such a prelim guy. You know, he was kind of that Coco Beware level. And it was fun to look at some old Memphis stuff and ICW stuff, and especially the Memphis stuff when he healed. Cause you know, when he, when he was the genius, that was definitely a comedy heel act when I wasn't super interested in incorporating this car, but he was just more of a little bit of a dastardly sneaky heel um, in, in the Memphis stuff. And then his ICW stuff, he actually had a, a match with Ronnie Garvin that I watched when Ronnie Garvin was a heel in ICW and, and Poffo was really skinny I mean, this was probably 77, 78. Um, but uh, in that match, Papa was doing commentary for his own match. 
and Ronnie Garvin put him in a sleeper and he goes, oh, that's my move. And then later he put the sleeper on, but he still did the moonsault and caught, called it a sky drop even back then. So um, I, I tried to work that sleeper on. So, you know, structure-wise, the card's not changed up too bit, but I just tried to swap out some moves and make it a little more accurate for maybe this this point of his career. Thank you, Chad. Corey, what are your thoughts? I just know, and I might have mentioned this before, but, you know, as we were kind of finalizing and refinalizing the roster for this set, you know, I really made a push to, to Mike and Todd that Lanny be a part of this because, again, we've had, you know, Randy Savage done in color, and uh, and their dad Angelo Poffo, you know, has gotten a color card, and Lanny just either as Leaping Lanny or the Genius hadn't had any color cards yet. So I thought, well, you know, it fits the theme of the set, and if people want to do um, have the Poffo brothers team up or the Poffo father and son, you know, you can you can in your and your color purists, you don't like to mix, um, you know, they, this would be a good time to to do that. So I'm glad we were able to get him in and. And I said it, I think last week, um, I, I really like this drawing of Lanny. I think it's just overall of the three cards he's had. I, I think it's a really strong drawing. And, you know, as I, I said, I would have loved to have the, the suit of armor, but this is kind of part of the suit of armor because he's holding the sword. It kind of gets cut off in the drawing, but the reference photo is him holding that that uh, knight's sword. So kind of a little best of the both worlds, I guess. So, uh, but no, I'm glad, glad he could uh, uh, get a color card and complete the Poffo family. Excellent, Corey. Tim? I, I thought, uh, you know, kind of like what Chad was saying, he, he always had that kind of aerial style that, that was unique for his time. And I, I really liked him when he came in, even though he was underneath in WWF. Um, he, he, was, he was over with me until he did the genius gimmick, and then I, I didn't really have a lot of <laughs> use for him. Um, but I thought he was a very athletic guy. You know, he never really had a lot of single success, um, but I thought he, he's a good addition. Like, like Corey said too, you know, it completes the family picture here. So, uh, so that was nice. And um, yeah, just a, just a solid addition. He's another plug and play guy, you know, that you can throw in just about anywhere. So, um, you know, and, and as Chad said, this, this set is kind of full of those guys. So um, uh it's just another another one to add in. I, I thought he was a, a good guy to have in the main set. I agree. And I need to look at our overall roster to see if there are any other uh, ICW alums, because that's the first thing that stood out to me is you can have an ICW Memphis Memphis promotional war, so to speak, and have some fun with the uh, Poffo family leading the charge against the uh, Memphis heroes, as it were, and see what see what transpires. Corey. I just want to say that, you know, and I don't think, I think this was just kind of a mistake, but in the write-up for Lanny for the website, they referred to ICW as an outlaw mud show. Now it was an outlaw promotion. I'll give you that, but no, they were not a mud show. You know, they had, they, they, they weren't Memphis, but they, they really tried hard and they put up a fight with Memphis for years and, and they had some of their own good stuff. So if you haven't seen much of the, the Poffo's ICW, definitely check it out. You can see Lanny Poffo uh, feuding with someone over the brat shirt and uh and the uh, the infamous angle where uh, ronnie garvin stomps ox baker's false teeth and uh, uh many many other things as well there were a lot of great things in icw so yeah ox says he had to eat soup because the teeth got broken he couldn't eat everybody else in the restaurant was eating the steak <laughs> now you could bring lanny in as a heel to feud with crusher over the brat shirt if you wanted to have a little dyslexia with that oh, oh yeah. very nice yeah. idea well, well done uh, i like that 
Good booking, Chad, as always. That's got legs, as they say. All right, Corey. So how about our promoter prime uh, Memphis editions? Well, actually, we've got two cards in the main set that weren't announced ahead of time. So, okay, go ahead. So again, this is your warning promoters. If you want to be, if you don't want to be spoiled, you know, jump ahead a little bit here, but it's, it's been out on the discussion boards and Facebook and other places. So it's not, I'm, I'm not ruining things for you here, but um, we had two, uh, two names, both re-releases. Uh, the first one was wildfire, Tommy rich, uh, definitely a huge name in, in uh, Memphis history. And, uh, and just in, you know, early eighties, American wrestling history in general, former NWA champion for a brief time, big star on cable in the early days of the, the TBS and, you know, some of that time on TBS kind of crossed over with the Memphis, uh, with his Memphis runs. He'd kind of work both or, you know, kind of go back and forth. So, um, you know, I think a lot of promoters just really don't realize what a big star this guy was for a number of years there. It was a short time, but he definitely deserves a, a decent competitive card uh, worthy of that time. As I said, you know, biggest star on US TV um, in the early days of cable and, um, yeah, I mean, obviously his time in Memphis is very well known, both as a face and a heel. So he deserves a, a good, um, a good uh, competitive card. So I'm I'm glad we were able to get him in is one of the the final cards in this set. Tim, any thoughts on Tommy Rich? Yeah, I, I you know I I was glad to get him in here. I mean, the drawing probably isn't one of my favorites. Um, I know I, I mentioned before we went on the uh, before we went live here that. That and, and this must probably just because I saw the Spider-Man movie today. Um, you know, I said he looks like Willem Dafoe with a different haircut, um, but um, which probably I don't know if that's a compliment or not. But I, I the drawing I guess didn't didn't exactly throw me. We we took a couple shots at it, but couldn't quite get what we wanted. But that was the the best we could. So um, yeah, I, I you know we needed to do a Tommy Rich, you know, just a color card that that represented his career in the time i mean as a guy that was buying all the all the magazines back in the early 80s i mean good god he was on the cover of everything and so you know all you heard about in the early 80s was tommy rich and and you know i was just like man who is this guy he doesn't look like he's that jacked up he doesn't you know seem like he but then when you saw him i mean holy you saw the videos i mean holy crap that i mean the guy was as over as over could be so um so we tried to do that. We tried to take into consideration some things that, that people said, you know, on, on the original black and white card. I think you still got a really tough card, but you should have a really tough card. Um, so that was that. I just think it's it, it's kind of really cool to, to have him in here and part of this. It was a big area for him. And um, uh, I think, you know, again, you could you could pretty much use them however you want to use them. So I, I think it's a, a great addition to this uh, this this set. Thank you, Tim. Chad, do you have any thoughts on Mr. Rich? I had to have him in there. Um, we monkeyed around with this card a little bit, but I think we kept him pretty tough. And he's, yeah, definitely a guy should be in there. Definitely was a early 80s national attraction. He kind of toured a little bit like a Dusty or a Jerry Lawler, you know, not, not to the extent of an Andre, but they'd bring him into other territories to, because of his cable exposure. Um, and yeah, I'm glad he's in there. And like I said, you could do a lot with this guy too. And I mean, you know, he had that, that awesome team with Austin Idol in 87 and, you know, you could team him up with Eddie Gilbert and reprise the new fabulous ones. You could, uh, you know, 
I mean, he feuded with just all those guys in there. He could team him up with Tracy's mothers again. And again, I wouldn't do it as such a comedic slant. I would just have him be at his tag team, you know? They could, he could have a lot of fun with them. So a, a great character, a great kind of B-plus, you know, main event guy, but maybe a little bit, uh, just one step under the main event, but definitely a huge title contender and secondary, you know, intercontinental U.S. tank, U.S. level champion. You know, one thing I think is kind of underrated is when he got himself back into shape about 89 in WCW, and he had a really good series with uh, Lex Luger over the U.S. title then. So, you know, check that out if you're kind of not as familiar with some of his work or only saw him when he had maybe not been in the best of condition. Through that, I mean, he was, um, as you guys have all said, he, the WCW run notwithstanding, he may not have had the longevity of some stars, but he was white hot for a period of time. I mean, there was just no arguing that. That guy was as over as over could be. So he, he deserves his card. Uh, every bit of it, and you can do a lot of good things with, or a lot of fun things, a lot of different things with Tommy Rich. So he's great to have in the set. And uh, who, who is that other name, Corey, that we uh, just got announced? This was uh, one of the ones that you helped with with the stats, Stu, and that was Coco Ware, uh, Memphis heel version. You can team with Bobby Eaton or Stan Lane, which were two great tag teams um, in their in their time periods, and. Uh, um, you know, he's definitely designed to, to kind of go along with them, although he can do team with other partners and even do a little bit of a singles run on his own. Um, yeah, this is, you know, we, we had done a card for him in the original promoter prime years ago to kind of represent this era, but, um, you know, many promoters maybe never got that or, um, but now it's nice to have it as a printed card officially, uh, for those that play on the printed cards. And I want to reference the, uh, the, the picture reference, um, for those that don't know, it's a pick the t-shirt with him, Jimmy Hart and Bobby Eaton. And they had a song called we hate school, uh, which was uh, just one of those fun things they do in Memphis. You know, they just showed the musical side of things in Memphis. And uh, uh, so that's what that, that t-shirt in his drawing is, is referencing a, a song that they made famous. So um, yeah. And like I said, I want to give Stu props for helping out on this when we were all kind of busy with other, other cards or other things. So Stu stepped in and, uh, and uh, kind of finished up Coco here for us. So very good job, Stu. Thank you, Corey. I appreciate it. And this era of Coco slash Sweet Brown Sugar is by far my favorite era of Coco. Where I mean, this this was just a great time for him in Memphis. He was a he was a star. Uh, I mean, he was a, a very uh, popular or unpopular figure. If you wanted, if it, when he was a heel, he just was he was over. Um, so it's just really cool to have this era of Coco Ware represented in the game. And to me, is vastly more fun than the WWF version. So uh, I'm going to have a lot of fun with this particular card. Tim, any thoughts on Coco? Uh, nothing, nothing in particular. I mean, I, I think it's kind of cool to have this version of him just because he's a little bit different than, than your typical Birdman once he became kind of like your, you know, mid-card babyface type guy in WWF. I think this is a little bit more serious side of him. Um, and, and, uh, again, you know, great guy that you can pretty much match up with a lot of, a lot of different people that we've already got. So, um, kind of a, a cool addition to, to represent this stage of his career. Agreed. Chad, any thoughts? I'm just really happy to have him in there because he was, he did a touch of have a cool tag team with Bobby Eaton. You know, so 
I don't know if they, I'm sure they had to have wrestled before, but you know, you could have a series with the fabulous ones against Eaton and Coco and then, oh, down the road, Eaton and Lane team up and blah, blah, blah. Just kind of another fun utility card to have. You know, or you could do something with him in Brickhouse too, if you if you your Eaton card is committed to the Midnight Express. You got it. All right, Corey. Now are we on to the promoter prime edition? Technic technically one more. Oh, uh, we, right. we have the uh, special edition that was part uh. of the, the set. And again, this was uh, another late addition to the roster. Uh, and we've uh, thanked Sam Fain from Roll Up for this and for making this happen. But longtime voice of Memphis, Lance Russell, got a card. And, um, I, you know, I'll kind of start things off. I mean, as I've said before, I'm maybe not the biggest fan of these kinds of cards, but it definitely was cool that we could honor Lance. And I think it's a great drawing. So uh, it's, it's really cool to have him in the game. I've been using him as a character in my own USWA for years. So maybe I'll pull out the card once in a while for something random, see what happens. But, and that was what, you know, to differentiate from some of the other announcer cards, you know, trying to get that, that uh, unpredictability of the Memphis TV show. They'd have, you know, some wild things happen in this live in the studio and, just try to get that that feel as uh, as best as we could. Chad did a lot of the work on this, and I think he did a did a good job of of capturing that nature of the Memphis television. So, uh, yeah, really cool, really cool card to have. Thank you, Corey. Chad, any thoughts on Lance? I he's just you know legendary sighting, great guy to have in the game, and um, you know sometimes it's kind of hard to make these cards. Different between a Lance Russell and a Gordon Soley and, uh, you know, a, a Gorilla and Heenan card. So, you know, we put our heads together. Um, I think Sam threw a couple of uh, quotes in there or something or a couple ideas and just a, a community collaboration on that to get that put together. So hats off to everybody involved. Thank you, sir. And Tim, do you have anything further on Mr. Russell? No, I mean, uh, you know, I've, I've said before, you know, like Corey was saying, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I don't personally probably wouldn't use a card like this in my Fed. I just, I, I, I like things to kind of be under control, under my control when I'm, when I'm booking stuff. Um, but I, if you're going to sign an announcer, I mean, by God, we got Gordon Soley and Lance Russell. I mean, you know, there's not many more that you could get that, that would uh, represent their, their areas better than those guys. So I think that uh, it was just really cool. It's a it's a good drawing. Um, I, I think it all worked, and I, I think everybody did a good job, kind of putting this one together and coming up with some wacky Memphis type situations that can happen off the the dice rolls. I agree. Now all we need is Bob Caudle for Mid Atlantic Championship Wrestling, and we, we got it made, baby. But now uh, Lance is uh, in my best Jimmy Hart voice. Lance is. Uh, a giant of the uh, wrestling announcers and to have him in the game is, is a great honor. And uh, I, I don't use these cards much either. I have from time to time used them, but um, not, not a huge, huge user of these types of cards, but he's still great to have in the game. And I know some people really enjoy that random factor and using these cards helps uh, generate that. Corey, who you got next? Now we can go on to promote. Oh, Prime. sweet. <laughs> I've been teasing it. Yes, you have. Um, we'll go with uh uh, I think they were the they were announced the first of the these promoter prime cards, and that's JC Ice and Wolfie D, the tag team of PG 13. Uh, of course, talked about them a little bit before when they were announced, but 
you know, definitely a, a big part of the end of the regular Memphis territory, the USWA. Um, I think something like 15 time tag team champions and, um, you know, and then and, and people sometimes forget they did work WWF and WCW, obviously not the same level, um, but, uh, you know, they, they were there in ECW as well. And I know Smoky Mountain is part of the, the feud with USWA, but, you know, just for being smaller guys, I mean, these guys gave a cool aura of being tough guys from the hood and, uh, you know, I mean, they, they made it work, you know. Um, I just recently saw a comparison to that John Cena stole his gimmick from uh, from PG thirteen, <laughs> so don't know about that, but um, but they're just a cool team. And I kind of hinted at this before when the the cards were announced. Um, as I did research for the prime cards, um, you know, and I had done a lot of work on the black and white cards too, but I think I didn't have as much of the USWA footage available. So I was watching a lot of the WCW and WWF stuff and ECW, and as I got more access to USWA stuff, I really saw that that hubcap was their finisher in a lot of matches, even against, you know, kind of underneath guys and even as baby faces, they would use it. So I thought, well, let's make this, you know, uh, still kind of a hidden finisher, kind of like the moon dogs, but you know, something where it can happen, you know, more previously, it was just an add one. Um, I think we made it like an add one tag move on JC ice's card, but um, as much as they won with it, I thought, okay, this has got to be a, a finisher of some type so they would kind of do it um where one guy would hold the opponent in like a bear hug lift him up and then the other guy would come off with the the hubcap off the ropes um there was one yeah i mean they really made it like a regular finisher they would um you know one time a guy had one of them rolled up and the referee is distracted and the other one ran in the hubcap smacked the guy so it reversed the roll up and they got the pin and you know for for using a hubcap they were pretty clever about different spots with it so uh yeah, I mean these these guys are a lot of fun, and I'm, I'm uh, uh, glad that we got another another shot at them. Thank you, Corey. Chad, any thoughts on these fellers? Hubcap a uh, legal move? <laughs> always, mean, always distracted somehow. Oh, those darn reps in Memphis! I was distracted by something. So. No, I think it's it's they're a fun team to have, and just to add to there, I've seen some people kind of down on them because they really saw them from the WWF run. But that's you know that's why I, I think Al Gore invented YouTube when he invented the internet on the second day. So definitely, you know, go do some research on these guys when when you you know we have a new guy in there. Check them out because you might be surprised and find some stuff that you actually like. They were the shizzle in the later day Memphis, that is for sure. Tim. Yeah, I, you know, I saw those guys. I think I mentioned this before. I saw them in Smoky when they were kind of going back and forth when when that whole USWA versus Smoky Mountain feud was going on. And I didn't expect a lot from them because I'd, I'd heard of them. I hadn't really seen a lot of them. But I thought they were they were very good in the ring. They were good promos. They they did a great job. They had a lot of freaking heat from the crowd. Um so I, you know, I just think they're, they're a, a kind of a cool team that, that, uh, um, you know, kind of, kind of fit this to a T because they, they were really, uh, such a big part of the, the, you know, I don't want to say the dying days of Memphis, but, um, but later in the, the, the Memphis territory life cycle, they, they were a big part of it. So, um, it just, a just a, a great team to kind of have in there with a lot of, uh, a lot of character to them. Agreed. 
Corey, who's next, sir? Well, last but certainly not least, uh, the third promoter prime card, and that is a wrestling stat card for Jimmy Hart. Um, again, we had done a, a card like this um, for one of the early promoter prime or online promoter. I can't even remember which one it was now. Um, so just kind of, you know, revisited that. Obviously, a, a wrestling manager, you're not going to have a lot of new moves to do, but just kind of shook things up a little bit. I have to say, you know, this is one that may surprise promoters, but he's got that the powder to the eyes as an add one on level one offense. You can do it once per match. Watch some Jimmy Hart matches from Memphis because that's how he literally started off the match. He'd throw the powder when the ref wasn't looking or something. And there was even one match, I think it's against Rick Rude. They briefly uh, had Rude turn babyface. It was in the studios. And Jimmy doesn't get disqualified immediately. So, I mean, that, you know, it, it can happen. It, it, it did happen. And, but that was just how he'd kind of get an early advantage. And, uh, you know, I just thought, oh, we, we got to have that on there. So, um, and the, the finisher, you know, it's just kind of a up to you promoter interference type of situation. And um, again, there's uh, one match at least where he wrestles um, a preliminary guy in the studio and um, there's a ref bump in this match. And I can't remember which of his, his uh, guys it is, but one of his, his wrestlers runs in as the ref's down, you know, attacks the, the preliminary guy so that Jimmy can get the pin. So that's, that's the kind of things we're looking at here is, you know, his, his guys interfere, whether it's a tag match or Jimmy's in a single match and, and uh, you know, just turn the tide for Jimmy and help him get the pin. And as I think we said this before, he is a former Southern heavyweight champion. So uh, definitely makes sense to give him some, uh, wrestling stats i've seen people talk about they want to push uh, jim Cornette and jimmy hart to the tag team titles in their feds so i god bless you promoters that's that's awesome so yeah but uh definitely uh definitely something we we needed for a, a memphis theme set thank you Corey. tim any thoughts on jimmy hart well yeah i mean if you if you look at his stuff in Memphis and, and his stuff in WWF, it is just so different, so radically different. That it you is. just can't mm. you, you just can't say, well, yeah, you know, I'll just take him with the megaphone and throw him in and, and use him when it's just and, and this gives people the you know the whole issues where they can, you know, do the if you if you beat the guy, you get five minutes with the manager and you know, all that kind of stuff. And and this way he could he could be active in uh, like six man tags or things like that with his, you know, with the first family. And I just think it makes sense. I always like having a, a, a heel wrestling manager with stats because there's got to be some way that you can get him in the ring and he can get his comeuppance, you know, that that's kind of uh, one of the, the, the great things about the territory days that you used to see was eventually the, the manager would get the crap beat out of him somehow by the good guy. So uh, I think it's it's good that we've got that option now for Jimmy, especially with the uh, the the theme of this set. I agree. And well, go ahead, Chad. I'll I'll back clean up. What are your thoughts on uh, Jimmy Hart? Well, I I just think it's awesome. So that way you can do something where you have like the the handicap match with the manager and the the guy and the you know the the good guy gets to pound him around and trounce him a little bit. But yes, he is a former Southern champion, so. Who knows? Maybe he can powder his way through your tournament and go for the gold. I agree. And Tim brought up a good point. I mean, Hart in Memphis was quite different than Hart in WWF. He was darker, uh, even a little bit, and uh, uh, more diabolical, more sinister. So um, he was just, and 
arguably the top heel, if you want to call him that, uh, for a long stretch in, in Memphis. And just to have him as a wrestling card, I think, is a great addition for all the reasons you fine gentlemen have stated. And with that, I believe that we have come to the end of our review of the Legends of Wrestling Memphis set. Sincerely hope you folks are going to enjoy it. Like we said, as we record this uh, on Monday night, people are starting to get the sets, uh, both physically and on online. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And I think it's going to be, in the long run, uh, some of these characters might be some of the more fun characters we, we ever do. Um, just a, a really colorful assortment of wrestlers that came out of Memphis. And the set that was put together, I think, represents uh, a lot of that and uh, is going to be a lot of fun for promoters to use for many, many years. And as we start to wind things down, uh, it is our tradition to do our various shout outs uh, to conclude our show. Uh, so, Tim, why don't we start with you, sir, and you have the floor. I just want to uh, wish everybody a Merry Christmas uh, for those celebrating. Um, hope that... Uh, uh, your holidays here are, are uh, uneventful, uh, but happy, uh, un uneventful of bad things and eventful of good things, I guess. Um, and just want to thank everybody for continuing to listen to the podcast and hopefully you, uh, you enjoy things and, uh, and, and, and hope every now and then we'll, we'll say something that, that, uh, is actually somewhat meaningful. So, um, I appreciate everybody who, who takes their time to, to download and listen, and we'll be, uh, we'll be talking soon. So uh, take care, everybody. And, and again, happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Hey, Tim. Corey, what do you have from Maple Hood? Well, thank you, Stu, for hosting tonight. And I uh, just want to give some attention to our fellow uh, Phil Singer Games content providers. A lot of great stuff out there. So if you have some days off from work and uh, well, you need some content to listen to to pass the time, check these guys out. Of course, uh, Sam, Mike, and Todd over at Roll Up, the official podcast of Phil Singer Games. Uh, Grant Pachoco and the Phil Singer Games fan podcast. Uh, Steve Tower at After Further Review on YouTube, as well as Dave Little with Heartland Championship Wrestling on YouTube. Lee Longpree and the Dizzy Dice podcast. Hope to hear some more uh, episodes, Lee. And of course, Brock Atkinson each week with his uh, Brockster Builds matchups on uh, on twitch and on youtube and uh also just want to give a, a shout out to the the phil singer games crew uh particularly chad and uh, todd and mike with the the kind of final steps here in the uh, editing of this giant long-awaited ringside companion um hopefully you know it kind of, we kind of got it delayed as far as shipping out but promoters we wanted to make sure it was right so it's going to be worth the wait it's going to be worth that extra time just to make sure everything's you know, formatted properly. And we waited many years for this and uh, we, we can wait a couple more days. I'm, this is one of the things I'm most excited about getting in the mail is, is uh, this ringside companion, but whenever we get it, we'll get it. And it's going to be awesome. And I'm hoping, you know, one of our next upcoming shows, maybe we can do a little recap, not of the whole thing. Cause it's so big, but maybe feature like the, the, the new matches that we put in in the legend section or, or something like that. So, uh, but yeah, enjoy it. And um, as Tim said, Hope everybody has a blessed Christmas and holidays and whatever else you celebrate. Hope you stay safe and healthy and we will talk to you again soon. And thank you guys as always for clicking, downloading and supporting us. We really appreciate it. 
Corey, I think we should go match by match in the ringside companion, give a review of each I particular mean, match. We could. Pluses <laughs> and minuses, how you can use them. The, the first 13 hour episode yeah, of Uncharted Territory. It's going to be our new our new uh, record episode. Yeah. I am looking forward to that. Whoa, whoa. I'm having PTSD from this thing. Yeah, Chad. Chad's been hitting the grindstone. <laughs> Well, Chad, you're up anyway, so take it away with your PTSD. Yeah, well, thank you to everybody who commented on episode 60. We have Lee, Kevin the Butcher, Vegas, TK, Pete, Troy, Matt, LA Wraith, Toaster Boy, and Sinestro24. Um, and, you know, uh, Kevin Butcher brought up a good point today, and I didn't understand it at first. I messaged it. I go, what do you mean by this? And then he took it down. And in retrospect, I was just being obtuse. But, you know... Todd sent out an email. They're going to send you your ringside companion at the same shipping level as your other order. So, you know, it's, it's not, you know, they're trying to make it right. And, you know, we're God bless Todd for filling orders all this past weekend and getting stuff in the mail for people. Um, you know, we told him, wait on our stuff, take care of all the customers first. And even though we are also customers and volunteer staff of Phil Singer Games, uh, you know, we wanted everybody else to get their sets in their hands. So um, I, I did final edits this weekend on the Ringside Companion. I hope we can get it to print this week yet, but that'll come from the official mouths of Mike and Todd. Um, or maybe it has by the time you hear this. Um, and because I was bored and just used to editing, editing, editing over the past few weeks, I started editing volume two yesterday, too, when I had a little bit of free time and about 35% through the indie matches. So that'll feature indie matches and charts and, you know, all the splatter chart and Wolf Wildman chart and all that crazy stuff will be in the um, volume two, which should get done next year because we learn tricks and stuff and we know what to look for and it will not take us this long next time so it will not be another 15 years we should get it out in 2022 uh maybe by galacticon is kind of my goal is to have it ready but i want to get this thing off my desk as soon as possible so i might be doing a lot of that over christmas vacation um and i just also want to say merry christmas merry christmas to everybody i hope you have safe travels I hope everybody has a good holiday and uh, be excellent to each other. And thank you for listening. Very good, Chad. I appreciate that. And uh, to conclude this show, I thought that it would be uh, interesting since he's uh, such a visual medium. I had a Santa hat and a uh, bulb necklace on. It really doesn't translate in a podcast. But to just give us a little sense of, of the festive, I have some fun facts about eggnog that I wanted to share with everyone here as we conclude our episode. Okay, I'm going to shut the recording off, guys, right now. Click. <laughs> this is this is a rating spike right here, Chad. Um, eggnog <laughs> dates back to 14th century England. It was called posset, P-O-S-S-E-T, which sounds like an absolutely disgusting sweet mixture of curdled hot milk mixed with a sherry-like wine. Eggs apparently came later. And goodness knows how it survived to get to the eggs is beyond me. 135 million pounds of eggnog are consumed by Americans each and every year. Just ponder that fact alone. That is a lot of responsible eggnog. responsible for 45 million pounds <laughs> of eggnog. I'm doing my absolute best. Uh, there are some rather dubious claims, and in fact, I think they have been totally debunked, that uh, 
the that George Washington was a fan uh, that's been largely debunked. I wanted to believe that, but doesn't appear that that's it, it, remotely true. Why? However, why is that, Stu? I've just read online that uh, it was that he, he there were uh, recipes attributed to George Washington, but when they talked to the people at Mount Vernon, nothing could be substantiated. So okay, okay. Um, I wanted to believe it, Corey. I really, really did. Yeah. yeah. The father of our country could have been the father of eggnog. The uh, he cannot tell a lie. He cannot tell a lie. He did not have an eggnog recipe. However, this has been substantiated. It was the cause of a major riot at West Point in 1826 after the immortal Colonel Sylvanus Thayer banned booze at the military academy. Uh, cadets uh, who had always enjoyed a little bit of the hooch during the holidays rebelled by throwing apparently the party to end all parties, the resulting eggnog riot. A ruckus that involved 70 cadets, assaults, and vandalism of the North Barracks ended in court-martial trials for 19 cadets and a soldier. So there was the eggnog riot. So when you're drinking... It's a lot bigger than the Ox Baker riot in Cleveland. (laughs) Although Ox Baker's riot is, is slightly more famous. So just wanted you all to have that little, those little bit of tidbits or those tidbits on eggnog. Um, it is certainly a favorite drink of mine. You won't find it around here past January. So I'm loading up and I think each glass has 210 delicious calories with it. So if you're looking to uh, decrease your waist size, don't be drinking eggnog. Thank you all for listening. Merriest of Christmases to you all and good night, Denmark. Thank you, folks. Hey promoters, it's Corey again, and we would love to hear from you. Please send us your questions, topic suggestions, or any other comments, and we might include your audio in a future episode of Uncharted Territory. There's two ways you can do it. You can go to tinyurl.com backslash u-n-c-t-e-r. Again, tinyurl.com backslash u-n-c-t-e-r. You can click the message button and record up to a one-minute message, and we can include that in a future episode. Or you can email us either audio or a written question at our email address, utpodcast2020 at gmail.com. Again, utpodcast2020 at gmail.com. I'm going to